Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I want to start this morning, uh, we're actually going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 1, uh, but I want to start with uh, an, uh, sharing that I went to Africa this last week. What? Uh, I'll share just a little bit about it. Uh, The whole message won't be about the Africa trip, but during the trip, we actually went to Uganda. Uh, We did a pre-trip for an upcoming Uganda trip in September this next year. A larger team will go. But during this trip this last week, two things happened that stood out that fit really nicely that will lead us into the message. They were challenges that happened uh, in Uganda. And the first uh, related to a pastors and leaders conference that I spoke at. So as we were preparing to go, I got a call from uh, the person that we were going to stay with, and they invited me to speak to a pastors and leaders conference in another city in Uganda. And so I had enough time to prepare. I took it very seriously. A bunch of pastors were going to be there from around Africa. And so they wanted a 40-minute sermon to these pastors and leaders. So I said yes, prepared, took a lot of time on it, landed, and uh, the next morning we drove over, it was about a two and a half hour drive to Jinja, to the city, and uh, pulled up at the venue, ready, message in hand, right? Before I could get out of the car, the leader of the Pastors and Leaders Conference uh, came over and said, hey, I'm glad you're here. Since you're here, uh, we'd really like you to not just do one 40-minute message, but after lunch, do another one. That's a big deal. And so uh, I was in the car, and he asked, and I actually said, with empathy, I said, I can't. I only brought, like, one message. I can't, like, like, that's a big deal to ask for that. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, it felt like the Lord poked me in the side and said, did you really just say no? Did you really just say no? Like, aren't you, and I felt like the, the Lord was reminding me 10 years from now, I would have looked back and had regret that I said no. And so I said, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. And then I started to sweat. Like, what am I going to say for 40 minutes after a prepared message, and now I'm going to get up, and what am I going to say? So we went to lunch in between the sessions, and I I really was not clear on what I was going to share, and during, uh, during the lunch, the leader shared that one of the challenges with pastors in Uganda is a high level of suicide because of the pressures that they face and the stories that they hear. And I had just like a week and a half ago, prepared a message on the struggle and ministry with ministry leaders, and it fit perfectly. It was like the Lord was in that struggle. Does that make sense? Like some of the struggles that we fit, like the Lord was in that. So that's one struggle, one tough spot. The other tough spot uh, I wanted to share was uh, we were there for a week, and our flight out was going to be at 12.30 a.m. It's in the middle of the night. And so on Tuesday, it was about 11 o'clock at night, my, uh, my wife and my son went, went with me, getting ready for bed in this ministry house, a couple people in there with us, and I began to consider uh, our flight home. And I thought it was the next night. And I pulled open my email in this, oh, I need to be prepared, Let's, let me figure out what time we need to be at the airport tomorrow. And when I looked at the email, the email said, 
I'm leaving in an hour and a half. That's a problem. So I yelled out to my wife, start packing, our plane is leaving. And so in like in seven minutes, we packed everything up, we jumped in a van and we ran to the airport and we missed our flight. This is a picture of us missing. (laughs) Notice how many people are smiling in that photo. It was like 1.30 in the morning. Uh, I do not recommend missing a flight in a third world country. Everything worked out okay, but complete, like that struggle was on me, right? That we we uh, came back 24 hours later and obviously we made it home uh, fine. But I share those two things uh, for us to realize that we all have struggles in our lives. Some of the struggles of our, our own making, I messed up the flight stuff, I completely bonked it and missed 24 hours. But some struggles, I, I just have this thought, Could some of the tough spots that we get in in life, some of the messes that we get in, might they be more like the first challenge I had and they're actually an unfolding plan of God? Think about that for a second. Some of the challenges that you have, what if they're an unfolding plan of the Lord in your life? It's what happens in Scripture. I mean, read the Bible. From cover to cover, people's lives get messy when we read the lives of the people in Scripture. I wrote down a few examples. Noah. Noah was told that God was upset and told Noah to build a boat. That would have been a struggle. Build a really large boat. And then flood the earth. You and your family are going to survive and you're going to carry on humanity. That's not easy. Moses. Leading the Israelites out of captivity. That was not all prancing around, joyful, right? It was hard. Struggles in his life. You could walk through any of the major accounts in Scripture. From Nehemiah, the disciples' journey with Jesus. There were challenges all throughout, but within those challenges, there was a thread of an unfolding plan of God. A couple of other examples. Abraham... uh, God told Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations. Do you know how old he was when he had his first son? A hundred. Is there any hundred-year-olds here this morning? No. Seventies? Sixty-seventies. Just think of your sixty-seventy. If all of a sudden, somebody just said, no thanks. (laughs) Right? So you wake up the next morning, you're like, well, I got a little grumbly in my tumbly. And you find out you're pregnant? Whoa! Miracle! Whoa! Tough spot, right? You read the book of Acts. Jesus, before he goes up and ascends to the right hand of the Father, he tells 120 people, stay here, something better is going to happen. I'm sending someone else, the Holy Spirit. So 120 people are in there, they're praying, weird stuff starts happening, right? They start to speak in other languages that other people can hear, and it's this miraculous thing. There's this uh, sort of this confrontation, hey, they're drunk, no, we're not drunk. Peter steps up, gives this great sermon, and you follow the story of the book of Acts from that moment, and you see an unfolding plan of God, but you also see really complex, tough situations unfold. So if a move of God in our lives can create tough spots, I was just thinking this last week of this question. 
When I get in a tough spot, what's my response? In our lives, if, if some of our challenges are part of an unfolding plan of God, what's our response to those tough spots, to those challenges? Now, there, there could be some people in the room, you really like challenges and tough spots, anybody? There are people wired that way. It's odd, but we love you. There's people when they get in a tough spot or a challenge, they, I call them the stuffers. They pretend like, oh, everything's fine. There, uh, there is no problem, right? Uh, the room could be on fire, and they're like, we're good. You can only stuff that stuff for so long until it comes out in a worse way. And I wonder, this is where we're headed with the message today, I wonder if in the challenges and tough spots of our life, there's a better way to navigate those, to see the unfolding plan of God in the middle of them. I think sometimes what we call messes, God calls a breakthrough in process. And it's what I see in the story we're going to talk about with Joseph. But before we get there, I want to remind us that we're in this series called Messy Christmas. We're looking at some of the most familiar stories about the birth of Jesus in the Bible. But we're looking at them from a, a different perspective. Because many of those, if you slow the story down, are, they're a little messy. And if we, uh, we're going to look at Joseph in particular, the story of Joseph is not an easy story if you put yourself in his shoes. And so I just want to, I've been really spending a lot of time in the last two weeks in this story. It's teaching me a lot. Maybe this sermon is just for me. But I think there's some things that we can learn from this account. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 18. I don't need to give you really any background on this text. It, it talks and unfolds itself. And so Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to a public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In there, I'm finding a few things that are helping me reevaluate, I guess is the best word, reimagine maybe the challenges in my life are part of an unfolding plan of God. And I do not want to miss God in that. So let's pray before I unpack what I'm learning. But before I pray, think of a challenge in your life. Maybe if your life is perfect, whoa, you should give a message. Uh, but maybe if, maybe if your life is perfect, you know someone who's in the middle of a challenge, think of that person and I'm just going to pray. 
So Father, we're, we're either thinking of a challenge ourselves or another person. We really, really could use your help, Father. So I pray as we look at the life of Joseph that you would help, that you would open our eyes, our hearts, our minds to see more of the unfolding plans you have for us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's what I see in the text. You can write this down. In a tough spot, Joseph was in a tough spot. In a tough spot, Joseph didn't make it worse. He didn't make it worse. Just to bring some context before I tell you what scripture I'm, I'm pointing to in this. I don't know that we fully appreciate or understand in the limited verses that we have of what's going on, the depth of emotion that Jesus would have, or that Joseph would have, right? You're planning to be married, and then all of a sudden, your future bride is pregnant, and she says it's from the Holy Spirit. That's a thing. If I'm Joseph, I've got a hundred questions. Where did that happen previously in Scripture? What, what, were you out late at night? Who are you with? What's going on? How are we going to deal with this? This is going to be shameful as we approach people. And yet, in verse 19, what we see is Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her, Mary, to public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. A few things stick out to this. First, Joseph could have... He could have made a huge deal out of this. It, it was well within his right for him to say, this is a foul. Like, this is not right. And, and it brought to mind sort of a current scenario. Anybody ever watch Maury Povich? So you're laughing, so at least you know, most of us know the context of Maury Povich. I don't watch it. I've seen a few snippets, right? But if you don't know, Maury Povich is a guy who runs a show and they bring people on to do paternity tests. Is that your kid? Is that your dad? Is that your mom? And it's, it's a sick show. I don't know if it's real or not, but what I, when I even think about it or see snippets of it, it's a show full of public disgrace with no winners. The kids don't win. The parents don't win. The other person, like it's just, it's odd. Now, back in biblical times, more, they didn't have a Maury Povich show, but they did have a way to publicly disgrace a woman who was pregnant before they got married. And what they would do, you can read it in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22, what they would do with this woman who was pregnant before marriage is they would bring her back to her father's house, and all of the men in the community would stone her to death. That's worse than Maury Povich. That's public disgrace. And what Joseph said in this moment is, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make, like this is bad. I don't understand it. But I do not want to make this worse. And so he didn't want to go through the public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The second thing that I see Joseph doing that didn't make it worse, and it captured me, I've read this verse several times, I know what it means, but it captured me differently this year. And it's this verse in verse 25, it says, but Joseph 
did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Joseph didn't have sex with Mary until they were married and even beyond that until Jesus was born. Here's what I find. I think this is why I find that more interesting this year. I've spent a number of hours in with people in premarital counseling, with people in relationship issues, where individuals will rationalize behavior that is against God's will because they somehow believe that it's right. And what Joseph is doing is he's not rationalizing his... I'm assuming, I could be wrong, I'm assuming Joseph wanted to do it. It could be a stretch. You could argue with me later. If you don't know what it is, ask your parents. <laughs> I'm assuming he wanted to engage in that sort of activity, but he waited. In the reality, as you can write this down, Jesus, uh, Joseph placed a higher value on God's instructions than his personal desires. That's what I see. He placed a higher value on God's instruction than his personal desires. I can take you to the scriptures. I'm not going to. But what I find is Joseph had an understanding and a high regard for what God said and who he is. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to value that more highly than my personal desires. You want a one-way ticket to make your messy situation worse? Take your pleasure and place it higher than God's desires or his written words. And it is a one-way track to make your bad situation worse. There's an account, there's several accounts in Scripture of people doing this. There's this, a, a, an account of King Saul in the Old Testament. He was given really clear instructions from God and just didn't follow them. And he, he got in this battle, the battle wasn't going well, and he decided to put his own plans in place instead of following God's word. And then Samuel comes to him and says this in 1 Samuel 13. It says, you've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. He goes on. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you had not kept the Lord's command. It's a sad story. King Saul had the opportunity to see the unfolding plan of God, but instead decided to leverage his own pleasure over God's instructions, lost the kingdom, lost the rulership, but follow his life. You can go back to 1 Samuel 13 and beyond and just watch his life derail regularly. It ends up really bad. Because regularly he rationalized his own pleasure over God's Word. We, we would really do well to prioritize God over our own pleasure. And I just have to pause, right? I have to go on a, allow me to go on a two-minute rant for a second. I, this also includes sex before marriage. If you're in a relationship right now and you are not married and you're having sex, stop it. Or if you know someone, stop it. 
I've been in too many discussions and seen too many train wrecks later, right? I've heard all, of, all the excuses. Well, she's already pregnant. She already has kids. Well, it's cheaper to live together. That's the most popular one nowadays. And can I just tell you, it is so worth, so worth it to wait. Do not make a situation worse by going against what God has a will for your life. Merry Christmas. I'm going to go back to the text now. So, here's the application in the text of Joseph that I want to ask you, am I, we should all ask ourselves this, am I making a messy situation worse? In the messy situations in our life, maybe, I get some of them we create ourselves, but maybe the messy situations in our life, am, are we prioritizing our own personal desires, our own, well, they hurt me, so I'm going to get back at them? Are we over-prioritizing our own stuff and actually missing out on God? Right? This mess that Joseph was in, it was not a mess of his own making. It was actually an unfolding plan of God. And he didn't make it worse. So in a tough spot, Joseph didn't make it worse. The other thing that I see in this text that I'm learning, and I brought this up throughout the beginning part of the message, is this. This is what I see Joseph doing in a tough spot. Joseph followed God's unfolding plan. He actually it's an odd way to say it. He actually followed him. And something stood out to me uh, during, I, re- I remember reading this a, a few weeks ago, and it, just this little, it's like three words that stuck out, and it prompted me. So, so remember, right, Joseph hears that Mary is pregnant. He has, in mind, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. I don't want her dead. I'll, I'll, we'll just figure this out. In verse 20, it's not going to come up on the screen, but in verse 20, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up. That's all, that, those are the words that stuck out. When Joseph woke up. J- Joseph didn't go to the lawyers, do we cheat him and how, right away to divorce Mary. He, he didn't leave Mary forever right away. There was something in him that he slept on it. He waited. He paused enough. And the Lord came to him in a dream. And it prompted me, I wonder how many times, because I'm a type A person, you bring me a problem, I'll, and somebody needs to make a decision, I'll make it. Right? I wonder how many times in my life when presented a problem, I didn't sleep on it. I didn't pause. I just thought, this is a really good idea. Let's go with that. Let's run this way. And I wonder how many times I've missed God in the process. Isaiah 55, this is the Lord speaking. It's a, it's a reminder to me, maybe a reminder to all of us. The Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't know about you, but so often I believe that my thoughts are really good. Like I've got a really good idea, let's run after that. But if we really stop to consider that in every occasion, God's thoughts are so much higher than mine, and if we could just pause and capture his thoughts, maybe we could see more of the unfolding plan of God. 
We need to slow down enough and, and actually approach God with the hard questions of life in the middle of our mess. Sit down and actually say, Lord, this stinks. Can you help? Lord, what's the truth about this situation? Because I'm confused. Psalm 37 is, it could be a message in its own. I love this psalm. It says this, it says, be still before the Lord. Some of you need to think through that. Be still. You are running and rushing through all of your ideas and maybe this is the two words that hit you in caption. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Don't fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Be patient. Don't fret. We should be patient enough to listen, not just pray, not just, not just machine gun prayers to God, but actually sit down and listen to see if he'll reveal a next step, like he did with Joseph in a dream. It, it got me thinking, we teach this class here at the Vineyard pretty frequently. It's one of the most popular classes we teach, how to hear from God. And it teaches us how to stop and pause, ask God questions, and then listen, because maybe he wants to say something. And it, it's just a great, uh, I think it's a great class. And I recorded, this is a couple of years ago, a 10-minute Sort of this class in 10 minutes. We're not going to watch it. But what I'm going to do is we're going to put a QR code. If you want to scan that, or the QR code on the back of the seats will go to it as well. It's the 10-minute version of how to hear from God. So you can do that now. But when you do it, it'll take you to YouTube. My voice will start playing, and you have to hit pause, because otherwise I'll get confused. So if you want to, seriously, there were like 100 people in the last few services that were like, oh, yeah, I want that 10. It's a 10. Nobody. That's okay. How to hear from God. QR code. Here, here's the reality. Joseph, Joseph slept on it, and he heard from God, and he had a radical obedience to what God said, and he was part of the greatest miracle of the world, Jesus dying on a cross. He didn't rush into something out of his own creation he got in line with God's plan. I want to go back to the scripture. It's not just that he slept on it one night. I want you to look at this. Verse 21. I love this. It says, she'll give birth to a son. This is the uh, vision that he has in the middle of the night. She'll give birth to the son. You'll give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people, from their sins. And in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Took Mary as his wife. He got married. But the story doesn't stop there. The, the dream was, there'll be a boy, and that boy will save the world from their sins. That doesn't happen right away, right? Joseph has to help raise Jesus. I'm sure Jesus was like, perfect as a baby, like just phenomenal, way better than your kids, although your kids are amazing too. But, right, uh, uh, a little after the account that we read this morning, Joseph gets another dream while Jesus is a baby. Joseph gets another dream, 
And the dream is, hey, Joseph, you need to take Jesus, sneak to this other town because Herod is going to kill all the babies. And I wonder in that moment, I had this thought, I wonder if in that moment Joseph had this thought like, man, this baby Jesus is a lot. Like not just raising him, but like people are going to kill him and we're gonna, this is going to be a handful. And then I wonder, it doesn't say this, this is just where my weird brain goes. I wonder if there was any moment as Jesus was growing up and maybe Jesus was like seven or eight years old and, and Joseph was introducing him and someone said, that's your boy? He doesn't look anything like you. <laughs> Think about that. The, the reality is the dream that Joseph had, your boy is going to save people from their sins, that dream didn't come to reality until over 30 years later. You can write this in. Joseph endured over 30 years to see that dream realized. 30 years of being patient, of watching the unfolding plan of God to come into reality. And because he did that, he saw the greatest miracle of all time. So I was thinking about this patience thing in, in my own life. I'm not uh, a patient person. But, but I, I did this little exercise. It was actually on the airplane on the way back from Africa. I was thinking, what are the greatest, some of the greatest moves of God in my own life? What are they? And I, I began to think, like 12 years ago, I uh, started working with the homeless in South Bend. And over those 12 years, a bunch of hardships but this year, there's a weather amnesty, a winter shelter for the homeless of South Bend that is in a permanent facility that people don't have to wonder, hey, where are they going to be next year? It's one of, you may not understand that, but for me, it's just one of the greatest moves of God in that community that, I, that I've seen. I have a, a personal passion for uh, raising up leaders, not just in ministry, but in the marketplace with Christian values. This world needs more leaders who have Jesus as the king instead of other men. And so how do we raise up leaders like that? And one of the greatest moves I've seen is through the Vineyard School of Ministry. It started five years ago, and it's working. Or even our trip to Africa. We've been supporting those kids. My wife and I have been supporting some of those kids for eight years. Now I get to visit them face to face. Some, here, here's what, I, what I'm trying to say. Some of the greatest, just personally, some of the greatest moves of God that I've seen, I've had to be patient and endure years to see them unfold. And the reality is, it, I know God has more things for me in my life. And I know God has more things for you in your life. It doesn't matter your age. God has plans for you, but do we have the patience to see those through? It's the, it's the patience that Joseph had over 30 years to see that dream come through. And so, so I, I want to end sort of where we began earlier. And it's with this question. When we get in tough spots, what's our response? When I get in a tough spot, what's my response? Am I making it worse by thrashing around in all the things that I can think to do? Am I 
am I patient enough to actually sit down with the Lord and interact with him? Am I modeling what we see in a Christmas story that we've, many of us have heard dozens or more times? Am I modeling what Joseph did? Because in a tough spot, Joseph didn't make the challenge worse and he followed God's unfolding plan that he actually participated and saw. And I want us, I want you to see God in the unfolding plan, even if it's a tough spot in your life. Why don't we stand? I'm going to end with prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.